Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey, welcome to the 104th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm Matt Enloe. And I'm Oren Kaplan, and today it is just Matt and me. We've just had a lot of things on our mind, nothing too crazy, but just some stuff that we've been seeing in our work, mostly things that I've been thinking about, and so Matt and I thought we would chat about them today. We just have a bullet list of interesting things that have to do with directors. We're just going to dig deep into Oren's psyche. We're going to learn what makes him tick, what makes him insecure, what makes him motivated. Oren, you've had a couple things on your mind. Hit us. What's on the what's on the docket for the day? We're going to talk about whether or not we like our past work and how it informs our future work. We'll talk about something I've been really curious to ask you, and I'd like to do it on the podcast, is like, you keep getting drinks with people, like what that, how you set that up and who you're getting drinks with and what you talk about. Um, oh yeah, that's alone. That's spoiler alert. It's just alone at a bar. <laughs> oh. I just describe it that way so I don't feel bad about myself. Right? People just your kidding. Own nickname. No, no. no um, we'll talk about that. And then also like, uh, yeah, if you get a coffee with someone, like what? What the whole point of it is? Like what you're trying to get out of it or not trying to get out of it? And then I've been working on a lot of treatments this week, so I wanted to talk about treatments. Just something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Okay. Well. So as people painfully know, I've been working on my directing reel. I've actually got a bunch of texts from people saying that I, we talked about it a little bit too much in the, a previous episode. <clears throat> but um, in working on my reel, I've been reviewing a lot of my old work. And I know that a lot of directors like hate their own stuff. Like, you know, you make a movie, you've seen it like a thousands of times, and then you go to the film festival and you don't even want to go into the theater. Which, by the way, you made a short and you've watched it in the theater like a million times. Isn't that hard? You know, well, it's different because I didn't direct it. I just produced it. So there are things where I was like, well, I told her to do it differently and she didn't agree with me. And th- I think uh, the nice thing about that is that most of the time I learn to really like the decision. And there is something incredible about watching a movie that you're really close to over and over and over again because you do see different things every time. And so um, a film can age like a fine wine, Oren. Right. It's alive. And because I'm a baby step removed from it, 
uh, it's a little bit easier to not beat yourself up over those small mistakes. Right. And you can appreciate it for what it is instead of like worrying about like a bump in the steady cam movement or a weird right. performance thing. Um, yeah. But so I, I think most people, since they see their work so much while they're editing it, once it's out in the world, they can't look at it again. But now I'm revisiting a lot of my work. I have stuff in that my reel, which I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. That's like eight or nine years old. But it, I just like really, you know, it has either like a celebrity in it or it has a cool look or a cool something that makes me want to keep it in my reel. Um, and I've been watching a lot of my really old stuff and I'm re- I'm like cracking myself up. It's like some of it's funny and good. And I'm like, oh, that was pretty good. Uh we, we did this one thing when I worked at Disney. It was like a we did the series of origin stories of different characters from mythology. And one of them was Santa Claus. And it's just this guy that's like trying to start a business, like a toy delivery business. And like he's kidnapping kids and asking them what they want. And, you know, I mean, we've all seen like the creepy Santa Claus thing. But I feel like we really nailed it in a weird way. Um, that was just like really making me laugh. So one thing I want to talk about is like like how much you like your own previous work like how proud of it you are. And also, have you ever made something that have made you has made you think like, ah, I shouldn't be a director. I just made this like really crappy thing and I should stop? Or is it always like, okay, this is a mistake I made last time, but now I'm going to fix it for the next one? Or do you not even think about your past work? I, you know, I think about my past work um, less and less the more work work I do. You know, your passion projects and like your... Your babies, I think, kind of <clears throat> tend to spend more time and you're a little bit more thoughtful and you're kind of marinating it a little bit longer. So, of course, the, I think the reciprocal reflection period is a little longer. So, like Squaresville, which was that first passion project, you know, 16 episodes a season, two seasons, that's a lot of stuff to go look at. And you can definitely see uh, an improvement in the filmmaking and the writing, certainly. Do you ever send Squaresville to people nowadays? You know, I do still because it was just past that the DSLR bump where it's still, you know, the the depth of field was shallow when it was supposed to be <laughs> right. and things like that, you know, and it's 16 by 9. So it does it's aged relatively well and it's mostly still like funny actors saying funny things. And so it was not the most cinematic, but uh, it's aiming to be a quippy, quick, slice of life sort of comedy. And so right. I think it's, it, fortunately it's aged pretty well in that regard. So when you send um, it to people, do you say like, by the way, this is old? Or do you ever give any disclaimers? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And um, But also because it was my baby, it's kind of the clearest version of my voice. I've grown a lot since then, so... In that way, it's a little hard to send it out sometimes. But when the shoe fits, I'll send it. Right. Um, I wonder if Darren Aronofsky like sends people pie and says like, "Yeah, it's like a little kind of uh, crappy." <laughs> we we only spent sixteen thousand on it. Um, yeah, I doubt he does. But you know, I think that the other nice thing about having a larger body of work is that then you can kind of be specific about why this thing is. A good comp right so i don't send squaresville out on commercial bids but i do send it when i'm doing slice of life scripted coming of age comedy you right. know what i mean yeah that makes sense 
And I do every once in a while when I watch it, I'm like, oh, that's exactly my taste. Yeah, that's cool. So, you know, I've done two features and I've been looking at them a lot because I'm just trying to find cool shots from them or good moments for my reel. And I like I really like a lot of the shots from those movies, even though I kind of made them a while ago and I've shot so much stuff since then. But what I realized through working on my reel and looking at them a lot is like those long, awesome steady cam shots or camera moves, they only really work in features. Like in a commercial, mm-hmm. you're never going to have like, unless it's a one which you're probably not going to do a commercial that's a one I, I don't know, especially a comedy one. Yeah, sure. Um, because you want to be able to edit and shoot coverage and make it work and the client's going to want to do all these different things. Um, but in a feature, you have the time and I have all these like awesome steady cam shots. I have this, I have a few scenes that are oneers that like I have one that starts, you know, on a sign and it goes to a, a cop and her daughter is there and she, her and her daughter walk somewhere and they sit down and they meet a third person and the camera like goes around them and follows the cop and this person into an elevator and goes up to the second floor and then looks over the balcony to for the daughter to say a line and then comes back and it all more or less works. But I could never put that in a reel because it's like a three minute steady cam shot, you know? Um, and so it made me appreciate the feature <laughs> a little bit more in that <laughs> that's where you get to put those like really cool shots, mm-hmm. you know? And I think also when you're just starting out, you've got so many ideas and you've kind of been saving them up and you're ready to just kind of throw as much as you can into your, your baby. Um, and I think as you work a little bit more, you maybe hold yourself back from some of those ideas because they were dumb or brash or overreaching or just because you fall into the things that you like best. And it's neat to look at that old stuff and say like, oh, I know what I was going for and now I know how to nail it or, oh, I should do that thing again. I keep forgetting. I loved doing that when I was younger. Yeah. I used to do all these like really weird transitions, you know, camera moves and things that mm-hmm. I've kind of dropped off lately, but I want to, I, I, I think I want to reintroduce them a little bit. And I also love when I find like my old storyboards and notes and I realize that I actually did them, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, in general, I'm like never very happy with my work and I, I every single thing on my website, I'll be like, ah, I wish this was better. This was better. This was better. But never in a million years has any of that made me go, hmm, maybe I should stop doing this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. To me, the person that should stop doing it is the person that thinks their work is, like, perfect, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I am fond of every once in a while you'll meet a person who's just like, check this out, it's dope. Um, and I like a little bit of confidence as well, and I think that it serves people pretty well. But there's something fun about knowing what to improve. Like, when mm. I, you know, my first movie is this deaf guy, and he doesn't talk that much because he's deaf uh, and so there's a lot of quiet moments in that movie. And I I wanted my next movie to be like wall-to-wall dialogue, right? Because yeah. like, I, I felt like that's what I was missing for my first movie. So anyway, and we're, we're all kind of inspired by our mistakes, hopefully. Yeah, I think that with experience, I tackle each project with um, a more specific goal. Like when I think when you first start out, you're just like, I want to make a great movie. And that's always going to be the goal. But also you can be like, oh, I really want to master dialogue on this one. Or I want to add more steady cam shots. Or I want to do this specific thing that I feel like I want to hone a little bit better. And so in looking back at those projects, 
if you can remember the specifics of what you were trying to attain in the moment, then whether it's, we've all made stinkers before and it's kind of just like stand-up comics bomb, you know, right. like that's kind of part of it and I think makes you better for it. Like that's how you grow. But if you can remember what you were trying to improve upon and then see if you did it, that's what, you know, is really helpful for me when looking at my old material. Yeah. And I'm just, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to brag for a second. Oh, but, I can't uh, wait. <laughs> my first movie that I watch and I think is just like the most boring thing ever, like nothing happens and nobody talks and everything's slow and there's all these long shots of people looking forlorn. Uh, we shot it in 2009 uh, and so almost 10 years ago and three times in the past month did we sell the college screening rights to it and that were totally cold called like people reached out to us they found our website and like emailed me and the producers you know Eben and Joe and myself and said uh hey we found out about your movie and we want to show it to the students at our college like can we do that and we'll always write back and say like yeah it's gonna be like 500 bucks or whatever and then they're like sure let us know where to send the money so it's not a ton of money, but 10 years later, the fact that people still care about that movie, even though all I see in it is like how boring it is, is pretty awesome. Yeah, man, that's great. So I, I guess the, the other lesson is like sometimes trust other people's opinion of your work <laughs> because you are a horrible judge of, of it. Yeah, you're always going to go back to the time that you wished you picked up another take. But if people are responding to it, that's empirical evidence that somebody liked your movie. Maybe you should right. listen to it. Cool. Well, should we move on to the next topic? Let's do it. So this is like a real conversation between you and me that we have not had off the air. Uh, so you had drinks the other day. Sure. You saw our friend Rosie and Maureen, our yeah. best guest together. So you funny. You were surprised that they knew each other, but of course they knew each other through UCB. To clarify, um, I was at a different drinks and right. then ran into them. Right. Who were you at drinks with? So in that case, I was with a development executive on um, one of my projects and a writer that he had recommended. And so was the drinks for you to meet that writer? Correct, yeah. So And that writer would potentially work on one of your projects? Correct, yeah. Why was it drinks and not like a meeting? Um, so drinks is just the word for... Uh, an after-hours meeting that is not dinner. I, so, so, right. so, oh, sorry, let me, let me go back a little bit. So most of the time when I talk about going to drinks, it is not as formal or fancy or Hollywood-sounding as that one was. Like, most of the time, I have just, you know, emailed someone, and they were not available for coffee, and we both have other, like, daytime engagements, and, you know, my wife is busy that night, so I say, hey, let's go to drinks. Um, so, and then you guys each pay for your own drinks. Yeah. Or, you know, depending like if typically if the person I'm having drinks with works at a company where they have an expense account, they will pick up the tab. Um, but, and who's like, like is Kate Grady the type of person you would email yeah, to get a drink Yeah, with? definitely I've gone to drinks with Kate plenty of times. She's a producer that we has been on our podcast before and has, we both right, worked correct. with. And as an old friend, and, you know, it's it's akin to coffee and a totally, it's basically the exact same as coffee, except for that it's before dinner 
and after work. <laughs> and so that that is the main equivalent. So is it usually with people that work in an office as opposed to people that are freelancers? Yeah. Or people who work on the west side, though the which is for people who don't live in LA, much further away than the east side. It takes a minimum of 35, 40 minutes, probably closer to an hour to get over to that side. So if they are work on the west side but live on the east side or they need to kill time in some way, that can be convenient as well. Um, but yeah, I remember when I was an intern and like helping to schedule drinks being like, what, what are you, what are you even talking about? It is a weird thing. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just coffee, but with booze. Well, so every time you say, Oh, I'm getting drinks that night. I can't record the podcast. You do it without me. And I have to explain to you why that podcast would just be too good for us to release. And I say, shut up. Um, No, I wonder, like, I, I think to myself like, Oh, I want, I should be getting drinks with someone. Like, how do I set that up? Who should I who should I get drinks with? Yeah, I, that that's a great question. So I, I think it, you know, it's funny. It's not like I have a drinks relationship with everybody. I don't think, but it it really I think it boils down to do they have a day job where their meetings are so stacked that we wouldn't get, you know, an hour or so of time otherwise. Right. I guess maybe a more specific question is, should I have an agenda when I get drinks? Like I have, I have a friend who, um, he started that company maker and he moved to New York and now he is in LA. And I was like, Hey, and he listens to this podcast. Um, oh, great. Hello. Well, he's listened to a few episodes. We'll see. But I was like, Hey, let's meet up for lunch. Um, and then I was like, Oh, I should probably, since I'm meeting up with him for lunch i should probably have like a reason or i should have some ideas or i should talk to him about something i don't think so i think that okay you're helping me coalesce what what a drinks or a coffee or a lunch is and basically i think that there are plenty of people that you have met over the course of your career where you don't have a, a specific project to pitch them or talk to them about or whatever but you both have an affinity for each other you like each other in some way you're like pals, you're friendly, you like working with each other, something like that. And it would be weird to be like, hey, I'm going to schedule a general with you. <laughs> right. Right. Every six months. But you still want to keep in touch with them. And so that's what these lunches and generals are. So it's like, you, I don't think, it's not like I'm having a drinks with the same person every other week. It's like I'm catching up with a person who I haven't seen in a while and I want to know what they're doing and, uh, you know, just kind of keep the relationship going. And, you know, they tend to also be like, you know, people who are on the friend spectrum. Do you right. know what I mean? Well, so let me ask you, this is me just getting super weird. And I know I've been I've been in L.A. for, you know, 13 I, years. I, so <laughs> I got to say, I'm I'm. I feel nice because normally I feel so awkward with people that like feeling like I have some insight into <laughs> the rituals of people interacting with one another makes me feel incredible. That's, <laughs> I don't know it's ever happened before. Okay. But so like the other day you had drinks with Matt Pollock, right? I had coffee with Matt Pollock. But yeah. Okay. Coffee. Yeah. So it's a similar setup, just the yeah, daytime yeah. thing. Yeah. So what do you talk to him about? What he's been working on. And then vice versa. And so you guys just, yeah, chat just you just then, catch up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, 
I don't know. I'm I'm trying to do more of that. My friend Mo, who is like this really talented actor, comedian, funny guy that I've been friends with for a hundred years, but I haven't seen him for a while. Um, I just scheduled a lunch with him for next week, but I'm like wondering, is there, I guess I'm trying to w- figure out if all these meetings, you know, it, it, we always tell people on the podcast, like they had to come to LA. It, part of this is coming from the fact that like a few of our listeners have like asked me to meet them for coffee. Right. And we meet them for coffee. I meet with them. And I, my new thing is like, hey, this is where I'm going to go at this time. You should come. Kind of, you, you called it office hours. I think we mentioned it on the podcast before. But then once we meet, it's like I don't know what to talk to them about. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, I and think... I try to be I'm trying to be helpful. And but I also don't want to be like, hey, I'm like your mentor. You know, I don't want to be like mm-hmm. giving an unsolicited advice or anything. I mean, for all I know, they know way more than I do. So I guess, yeah, I guess I'm just trying to figure out the, like how you approach these things. I think you're kind of saying it already, which is like, there is no agenda. You're just chatting with someone. Yeah. Um, And also I normally with these people, it's in an effort to maintain or reconnect with someone. You know what I mean? So that's part of it. It's like we have a shared history of like, oh, what have you been working on since we worked on that thing together? Or, you know, how are our mutual friends? Have you seen these people? So it's it's a much easier conversation, basically. Whereas if you're just going into someone without ever having meet, met them before, it can be less ritualistic or rigid, right? So like, like in a general, and I'm, I'm sure people have heard of this before, but like in a general, you know, normally you kind of sit down and like... Uh, you'll chit chat for a few minutes and then the suit will tell you what um, about the company that they work for, who founded it, what they're looking for, maybe how things have changed. If you've worked for with them in previous years, um, what they like particularly or whatever, but you'll, you'll watch, you'll see them. There'll be a shift in their posture and all of a sudden they'll be on that spiel that they literally, they say every hour to every single person that comes in there and you just sip your water and you listen. You ask a few intelligent follow-up questions and then there will be a, a handoff where all of a sudden it's your turn to talk about how, you know, you did th- these things and it's so nice that they liked the thing that they saw that you made and you really think that you could work with them well because of X, Y, and Z and it's so nice to hear that they're looking for, you know, transmedia cross-platform VR projects because that's what you specialize in or you've always wanted to do, right? And then, and then that's the, the platform from which you jump off of, right? There's a little bit of like, you know, uh, home turf that both people have that make it easier to kind of launch the conversation and then ask follow-up questions on. But if you're just kind of coming in cold and you don't have any of the context, you know, you're kind of stuck with, well, tell me about yourself. What do you want to do? What do you like, you know? Right. What's funny is like, I mean, I've been to a million general meetings that are easy. It's exactly right. You tell them about yourself. They tell them about themselves and what they're looking for. It's like a Google Home and an Alexa having a conversation (laughs) together. Right. But you're there to learn about each other. But when you're having drinks or coffee with like friends or acquaintances or coworkers or whatever, but, but you've reached out specifically to schedule them like, hey, I have not talked to you for too long. Like, let's meet up for a coffee or whatever, drinks. I don't know. When I I moved to LA, I was in my early 20s. You know, I had a bunch of roommates. We'd go drink and party and hang out and make videos and do stuff with other people all the time. It was like socializing with people was part of my everyday existence for my first 10 years here. Um, 
now that I'm married and have a kid and a wife and all this stuff, I feel like I need to work a little bit harder to go out at night and have a little bit more of a specific yeah. goal and agenda and reason why I'm leaving my family to go do this. And so it's like a little less casual and a little more formal, which I guess it doesn't need to be. Well, I think there's a couple of things to clarify here. One, I think drinks, there's kind of an intrinsic, if you're setting a meeting, it's going to be like about an hour. There's that. Okay, good. And then also... Um, uh, and how do you end it? Are you like, well, it's just kind of nice chatting. Yeah, it's like no, sometimes they'll have another thing scheduled. Sometimes I'm like they literally eat asking you how to date people. Sure, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but the other thing is like, I know that I can get a little anxious in a group setting. I like having, um, or an unstructured setting. I like having a little bit of these preconceived notions of what an interaction is going to be because it makes me feel a little bit more at ease and I can engage with the person a little bit better. I'm a much better one-on-one guy than I am like a group party guy. And I've learned that about myself. And so that's part of also why I think I kind of prefer basically to maintain relationships and friendships one-on-one in six-month increments than just see everybody all at once and have a dinner party or something like that. Like that uh, makes me a little antsy. And so um, that different strokes for different folks, guys. You know, like not everybody is going to want to do that, but I kind of just took to it due to my own quirks. Right. Yeah, no, I prefer the one-on-one as well. It does also feel like a better form to kind of figure out it's it's funny like because i'll meet up with my friends or people i kind of know and try to figure out what we can do together you know sure um and maybe that's not that's not how i should think about it. i think it's okay to do that your point basically is that in quote-unquote setting drinks it right. there's maybe a, i feel uh, an obligation to explain with, to them it's laced with business well i feel right. like an obligation to explain like so my friend i just had lunch with i a friend had was in town from new york and Invited a bunch of people out for drinks, and I happened to see uh, Josh Rubin there, who was on our podcast before. Um, And he's with Rosa Salazar, who was in Charles Hood's movie, who was on our podcast. Rosa was Um, an old college humor person as well. Oh, cool. Um, And so I saw them, and I saw all these other people I didn't know, and I talked to this guy for a while at the drinks, and I was having a really good time catching up. And then I emailed him like the next day, and I was like, hey, you want to grab lunch next week? But we had just chatted and caught up on like what we were all doing, you know. Then I was like, oh, do I need like a reason to meet up or can I, can we just meet up for lunch for no, I mean, it's someone, he's like a friend of mine, but I haven't seen him in probably like three years, you know. Um, So I don't know. It's like with, with everyone. I I know I'm coming off as like this deranged, anxious person that doesn't know how to hang out with their own friends, but it's not like saying like, hey, you want to go see this movie or hey, you want to go check out this new restaurant or this show or whatever. It's just like, hey, you want to hang out hey, in the middle of the day the for quality no reason? time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is you know, I think maybe a little bit of corporate experience and like maybe specifically development and talent in particular. I think maybe they tend to do that a little bit more or maybe I just picked up on one person doing it and was like, "Hey, I, this will work for me. I can do this," you know. So I I think the big takeaway is like there's a lot of different ways to socialize with people, but it's, it is okay to, in an effort to want to maintain relationships, schedule them. You know, sometimes that's going to work for people. And sometimes just running into someone is, is fine too. 
Um, and also it's going to shift, but I think being, you know, out and social and seeing people early on when you're younger or when you're on set, even like developing those relationships and fostering those, I think that will be a thing that makes your life better, whether it's helping your career or just like, it's nice to see friends on set and work with your peers. Right. Would you ever get drinks with Bobby Lamb, your DP? Uh, Bobby and I will get uh, lunch more often because he lives on the west side. Ah, what a dick. Ugh. Yeah. Um, it's funny, actually, old college buddies that I crew with, they're people that I've realized recently I have to go out of my way to make sure that I hang out with because it used to be that I it would just happen incidentally because we'd all just be hanging out. And I've lost touch with them in a way that bums me out. Um, and I need to put in the effort to see them the way I'm putting in the effort to maintain, you know, other acquaintances and stuff. You know, it's crazy. Like, you know, Jess, who shoots most of my stuff. Yeah. The last few years has shot most of the things I've directed. He lives like three blocks away from me. Yeah. When was the last time you the hung out with him? The only time I ever see him as one more yeah totally <laughs> and that's great that's okay you guys both work a lot but then jess is going to book a feature and he's not going to be available and you're going to meet another dp that you like and you're going to work with that person a bunch like you know um that won't always be consistent and then one of these days it's going to be two years and you haven't seen jess in a while <laughs> right i guess i'm just saying maybe i should just like hang out with more people just hanging out yeah no strings Hey, man, attached. set some play dates. Oh, oh, oh the other thing I wanted to clarify, um, on that last drink, drinks, everybody had uh, sparkling water. So it, you don't have to be, like, getting drunk every night. You know, I'm sure there are people there who are like, I'm not a big drinker. That's okay. It's, it's not a big deal. No one bats an eye at it. And also, in Los Angeles, they will figure out a way to charge you $8 for lemonade. Right. Cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for that weird therapy session. You just gave a grown man about how to hang out with I have people. literally never felt so comp- competent in my social <laughs> experiences, and I doubt I will ever again. I do wonder if it's like your background in development. Because, I mean, I've worked for a big corporation and worked in an office mm-hmm. and done all that. Um, but I've never worked in development where part of your job is meeting yeah. new people and kind of feeling yeah, them yeah, out. Yeah, definitely. And also like sitting next to my boss's assistant for a long time. And overhearing them scheduling things. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. So the next thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately is you saw the Oscars. I did, yes. Correct? You were like one of the six people that watched the Oscars. Oh, man. Apparently the least watched Oscars of all time, which I don't know. Should we care about that? No, right? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think I care that, you know, about box office much more and I want I care about like small movies failing much more than I care about the Oscars not having a huge draw you know I I'm pro cinema culture in general and the Oscars are part of that and I really like it I have a good time I like embrace the Oscars full-on yeah I love I mean I watched the whole thing all four hours of it or however long it is well so you know Guillermo del Toro won for best Picture, yeah, right? Shape of Water and Best Shape yeah. of Water, and which I totally disagree yeah, sure. with, by the way. But uh, but the more I think about it, the more bummed out I am that Get Out didn't win. I want to Get Out to win the whole time, but like I I just can't stop thinking about how dumb it was. 
that it's crazy that it didn't win. Anyway, sorry. That's not yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's two but. things. I mean, Get Out is a movie we'll remember in 10 years, and Shape of Water yeah. is bad in a bunch of different ways. <laughs> uh, so it's Mostly not that just, you didn't see the fishes. You know, I don't know. Anyway, but, um, <laughs> but it, it's also like a visual masterpiece and all that stuff, right? Like you could yeah. see how Shape of Water won because it hits every department, you know, the cinematographers and the production designers and the mm-hmm. wardrobe designers. And like yeah, the in craft a way that, is incredible. Yeah. That Get Out doesn't, you know, like yeah. not that the production design and wardrobe weren't great in Get Out, but they just didn't call for being crazily imaginative in the same way that Shape of Water did. But anyway, Guillermo del Toro went up and he gave the speech and he said something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing very much. He's like, uh, I really want to thank the folks at Fox because can you imagine I came in there, uh, just this guy with just some storyboards and a maquette and telling, trying to convince them that I want to make a fantasy love story period piece about a woman and a fish man. And they actually bought it. Like, can you imagine? And they're, you know, I appreciate so much that they went on this, that they took this gamble on me and my crazy project, right? So I think his message I didn't find that interesting because he's the it's this Oscar-winning director uh, that that had made created Plans Labyrinth and had done all this stuff. Like it's not surprising that sure. Fox is going to yeah, gamble on him. Darling. By the way, yeah, yeah, that that movie came in under budget and the budget was small, right? Like under twenty million dollars uh, for it's small for him, the guy that made like Hellboy. But what I found really interesting and that I think is very uh, kind of poignant for our listeners as well is that this is an Oscar winning director that's been doing it forever. That's one of the most famous directors sure. in the world. He's a name brand. Yeah. And he comes in with a fully formed idea, who, which by the way, I mean, obviously most of us can't do this, but he had spent like supposedly a quarter million of his own dollars in developing it. But he comes in with a 3d with a maquette, you know, which is like a, a statue of what the fish man mm-hmm. is like gonna an look incredibly like. rendered yeah like after statue. developing it yeah. for years uh he has storyboards he has all this stuff and he's surprised that they said yes to him right so what that says to me is like like the people that make it quote unquote that get ahead are the ones that go so far above and beyond it's not just that he's got this great vision but he is like so unafraid to work hard to try to sell this vision on his own penny, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I think of it as like you look, I remember being a kid and you look over at the awesome science fair project or the really cool book report and there's you have that thought of like, well, of course they're getting an A+. You know, like they always get an A+. They're so smart and they're so great and they're so good at planning and all this stuff and they nailed it that's who we're up against always right and i guess yeah i i kind of looked at it the opposite way which is like yeah i've gone into pitch stuff and i'm like hey this is my idea it's like something like this i haven't quite figured this out yet but it's like about three brothers with superpowers and they i think they go on a road trip right and then you wonder why people aren't buying your idea when you realize these people with insanely amazing resumes come in with all this yeah. artwork and all this thought, all this passion. He said that he like cried at the end of his pitch because he was so um, invested in his characters. And he said everyone in the room is crying. Uh, like, so I, I guess it's just like, look at what these super successful people are doing. It, it's exactly the same as what you endorsed last week, which is a Lonely Island 
they created this amazing music video as a pitch to get a job to write a music video that probably would have paid them nothing. Uh, so, like, don't be afraid to go above and beyond. And I'm really trying to take that to heart. So this week I'm working on three different treatments. My first treatment was is for a commercial and it's the first treatment I've done where usually, you know, we'll make a PDF file and we'll send it to people. And it's like a 15 second commercial and we made a 25 page treatment because something I've learned a lot and I think we've learned through the podcast is like people appreciate effort almost more than content and showing people that you're really invested and really care and really have thought a lot about their work is flattering to them. So it helps you. And also it's the thing that's going to get passed around. So if you you have to assume that no one is going to be there to pitch it for you. Even if you've got, even if your best friend is in the room and really wants you to get the job, at some point you're going to be forwarded in an email to somebody else who's a decision maker. Right. But I guess what I'm saying is like a 25 page treatment always looks better than a three page treatment. Exactly. Because even if they're not going to read the treatment, which they probably, most people probably will not read every word in your 25 page treatment, they'll just see how much time and effort and thought you've put into their project. You're putting the cool like uh, plastic cover on your book report. Right. And so, a good move. But so usually we send that PDF around. This time we made an interactive treatment that has like video and animated GIFs and all that stuff in it. So like while you're watching, while you're going through the treatment, you're getting, not only are you getting images that are helping you figure out the tone and everything, but you're getting real live video. I mean that's pretty cool. That I I'm curious to see how people respond to that because it's not printable. And like some people are old school. Well, we made it in a way that it was printable. Oh, cool. Um like we chose the still frame that would represent each video. Awesome. So it's still laid out like a treatment, but it's animated if you look at it on a computer. That's pretty cool, man. Um it's yeah, it's all through Adobe InDesign. It's called like an interactive PDF. That's but, pretty uh, cool. But so that was one treatment. Uh, the second treatment, the one I was telling you before we started recording, is part of the concept has to do with like these various devices with screens, like a phone or a tablet or a laptop or a TV talking to the camera. Mm-hmm. And so I have a friend that has like a very photogenic house that's bright and mid-century modern, like really airy and comfortable and colorful. And so I just went to his house today and I actually borrowed his camera, a 5D Mark III, <laughs> with his like beautiful lenses. And I just shot these devices like kind of still lifes around his house. Cool. And I think my treatment is going to be like 70% my photos and I'm yeah. going to Photoshop them with these faces onto the devices. And I think like I've never done, like I've Photoshopped one photo or like did a one 3D rendering or something for a treatment, but I think... While I was photographing this, I was like, I feel like right now I'm not the number one choice. Like I'm kind of probably not going to get it. But once I finish this treatment, you're going to be a contender. Yeah, I'm going to be a contender because look at how all this stuff I did. Uh, I went and did a whole photo shoot. Like the commercial is pretty much done um, if we wanted it to be. And I haven't even had the call with the client yet, which usually you would do your treatment after the call with the client. But I got a little bit of insight in, as to what they like. and Anyway, so that thing. And then my third thing is to meet uh, on a show. And they didn't ask for any materials. But uh, because I have a week, I had a week between finding, like, reading the script and the meeting. 
I am basically just making materials. I'm making a little treatment. I'm make, add, finding visuals. I'm trying to like anticipate ways to shoot things that are kind of difficult in the script. And I hope when I go in for my meeting, that stuff comes out. Because I've had a lot of, I mean, both of us have met on a lot of series before and stuff. And we're like, yeah, no, I like the script. This is cool. I think this could work. It needs a little work. And this is awesome. And this is exciting. And I was thinking maybe tonally it's like this, but it's mainly talking but I want to come in and be like, yeah, I love this idea. Here's a way we can do this. And here's a test I'd shot. And here's like some visuals. And here's someone else that did something similar. So I love, I love all of that. And I think um, the trend that I'm seeing is that Guillermo del Toro's superpower is visuals. He can draw really well. He's got a background in VFX, right? And also like practical VFX. He's a sculptor. He's a painter. He's got a... a literal shop of people who can manufacture and fabricate things for him right and so of course he's going to bring in this awesome maquette and then also these awesome storyboards that he all drew by hand and i'm sure he brought in one of his famous notebooks that's just filled with ideas that people can flip through and wow how cool is this it's like peeking into guillermo's brain right um whereas you are a great photographer you're great at photoshop you're good you're really great at like layout and design so of course this document is going to be super rich and I think that the thing to maybe ask yourself uh, or oneself is what is what are those skills that would help you stand out, right? Like it's interesting because I think that maybe my strong suit in the room is my ability to talk. And so I tend to want to give people less things to look at or be distracted by because I want them to listen to what I'm saying because I can convey passion and set a tone and confidence, right? Um, but so I, I'm sitting sitting here thinking like, oh, what would be if I really wanted to go all out? It's not like I'm gonna. No, but you did you for your feature that script that you were working on that I I know you, you might have moved on from, but you made a ripomantic. That's you, true. Yeah, um, and that's like. Of course, we'll go in there and talk. Everyone will go in there and should be passionate and be able to talk about it. But you have like three days before a meeting. What are you going to do in those three days? Are you just going to think about it? Are you going to watch a bunch of movies? Are you going to do stuff? Like how frustrating would it be if you went in for a job and you had this amazing pitch and theme, themes and performances and actors and ideas and then someone else gets it and it's like, oh yeah, look at this freaking awesome animation that they made. And sure. it's like, So it's like, I want to try to bring that personality and passion mm-hmm. and dialogue plus something else almost just in case somebody else brings something yeah. else you yeah. know no that's interesting um, uh, you know it's funny i remember the first feature i ever pitched on which obviously i didn't get i over prepared and i ended up i think boring them and that's that's why <laughs> i scale back my pitches a little bit because it was like uh, i've got 30 pieces of this deck and i'm going through a minutiae like themes and ideas and visual references and how I would shoot it and all this stuff. And I lost the room. Absolutely. Right. Well, that's the thing about visuals is you need to use them to replace like what you're saying as opposed to like add to what you're saying, which is, I guess, the opposite of what I just said. But it's like if you can sell the tone in three pictures, Mm -hmm. you know, then you don't have to be like, yeah, it's kind of like this movie meets this movie, but this way and that way, you know, um, you know, it, it's something that can get people excited in a way that sometimes just words have trouble yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I think also if you're giving them something to like talk about after the meeting, you know, like you guarantee a guarantee when someone, because every, every development executive is going to have a weekly meeting with all of their bosses and all of their coworkers. And they're going to go around in a circle and they're all going to talk about the meetings that they took. And when you're an executive and you can say, oh man, I sat down with Guillermo and it was incredible. Like you all said it was going to be, he brought in this maquette and by the end of the pitch I was crying. That's a bona fide sale. No one has to question like, oh, are you sure you want to buy this movie from Guillermo del Toro? He's like, no, I just said I was crying and he brought in an incredible statue. Whereas like, if it's like, oh, you know, uh, Enlo came in and uh, he talked. He's He seems pretty passionate. <laughs> There's not there's not a hook to that, you know, and so it is there's salesmanship to it. Whereas if I talked and then made them cry at the end, that's something that they can t- right. say, you know. Well, I think my move with this meeting is going to be going in there talking, not too much, but just being excited, and then just saying, "By the way, I like wrote up this treatment. Can I send it to you afterwards? Just some visual ideas, just just some some of my thoughts and visuals, and then just email it to them afterwards." But of course, the immediate hour after that meeting incorporate any of that feedback I got in the room into my document and then send it to them. So just they could be like, oh, wow, this is like so, like something that clearly I wouldn't have been able to like create in the hour after the meeting. But I don't know. That, that, it's just something I've been trying to do more of lately because, you know, you, you have to do something to to stand out and to show people. It's I don't think it's like trying to outdo other people, but I think it's a visual medium. And if we can show people visuals or like Brad Payton, who's on our podcast, the way he got to do journey Two is he had music that the rock could listen to while he was reading the script. Like anything you can give people to immerse them in your vision, even if it's the wrong vision in quotes, uh, it shows them that you really care and are and you've willing to go it. beyond just right. reading a script and having yeah. a chat. Don't just phone it in. Yeah. So that, that's my new thing. I'll let you, I'll report back on whether I, the first spot, the one that I did that interactive PDF, I have a feeling I'm not going to get my second call with a client. I didn't feel super warm. Um, so, so we'll see. I mean, I'm not saying it, it works. Oh, we have two more points and then we'll move on. My point is that investing all this time into this cool visual treatment, these photographs that I made, these animations I make, this other book is valuable even if I don't get the job. And now I have something that I can pull from for the next project that's similar. I can show people examples of treatments. I've made something, even if it's literally just for five people and they rejected me based on it. I have something concrete that's a lot more than a conversation. And your skills are getting honed. Right, you're getting better at all of that stuff. You're getting better at layout. You're getting better at graphics and all that stuff, and and right. being able and to. I'm saying that some things don't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. My thought was, I I think that you know in previous episodes I've talked about when sometimes someone is sweaty or they're trying too hard, <laughs> and um, yeah. I think that being honest with yourself about <clears throat> what the room is looking for, and um, and what you are best at kind of matching that up is also part of this equation, right? Like if I walked in with a maquette and uh, all of these storyboards uh, and didn't really own it, um, 
or was self-conscious about it or wasn't myself, that could potentially, and I've seen this happen, be a, a pitch that goes very poorly, right? But in the circumstances of like where I had taken pitches in the, the past, it was kind of just be hilarious, be hilarious and cool. And that was what the room was looking for. So like the best pitches were ones where people were laughing all the time and people were charmed. And then the idea seemed really cool, you know? So I think there's a little bit of that to it as well. And I think commercials are really neat in that there is a built-in expectation of treatments and visual references and things like that, that you get to do. Whereas like just pitching a show to Comedy Central it would be too much, maybe. Or maybe it's perfect for your show. You know, if you're not pitching a movie about a fish man, then maybe you don't need a statue of a fish man, I guess is what I'm saying. So, Right. Well, there's the Melissa Hunter method, which is tell a story from your life and get people like crying before you even tell them what the show is Yeah, about. I mean, I, I would argue you know? that her superpower is engaging, right? And so... Right. It's anything you can do to get people engaged in your yeah. story don't you don't have to limit yourself to just yeah. talking yeah they're not inherently bad audio visuals and, and props but a, a prop right. you got to own it and it's got it's got to be will incredible say the powerpoint presentation or deck it can work but it's really hard yeah. to nail and i've i've messed it up yeah, multiple yeah. times uh cool well thanks for chatting about that man good stuff Oren. i think it I think it's time for unpaid endorsements. Oren, what do you got? It is a thing that I just found out about. Did you know, Matt, that at Starbucks, if you are uh-huh. a member, a uh-huh. gold member, which means you use their app pretty much to buy coffee, you get free refills oh. all day long. That's pretty good. Yeah. If you're not a member, it's 50 cents. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, it's, I just, I've had the app forever, but I've never used it. I just usually pay with Apple pay. Cause I just like love Apple pay so much, but now I'm going to use the app instead. And I'm going to just be getting free oh, yeah. refills mm, all day good. long. Um, yeah. Free refills on coffee. I'm, I'm behind that endorsement. I like that. Um, mine is, it, mine is very Oren esque. Is it the new tutorial on video? No. Oh, Pilot? is there one? Yeah. New oh, dang. Oh, that's like so it. exciting. I know. Yeah. He's been really busy. Boy, Andrew shout Kramer. out Andrew Kramer. No, but it might as well be this. Um, so we talked about making decks so much. Have we talked about just buying a great deck off of Envato or any of the other popular like plug-in or design sites? Right. You and I have talked about it, but I don't think it's ever it's been It's a no-brainer, and it feels like... It feels a little weird because it's like, ah, they, they they tend to be on the expensive side and I can't really find many free great templates. So you end up spending some some cash, 30, 50 bucks. You're talking about I'm a talking keynote, about a keynote or PowerPoint template. Yeah. And they, they feel, it feels like, oh, this is a stupid thing to spend money on. I could make this myself. But in my case, I can't. I wouldn't do as well as this, as someone who has professionally designed a great looking template and you can get like, you know, they have like 30, 40, 50 slides. So like any different shape that you need. And then uh, it's really up to my game in terms of present, presenting ideas to people. So well, let me ask you a question because I've tried to do this a lot. But 
they're so usually so business oriented these decks how do you find ones that are like what do you type you do have to look quite a bit and i found that most the the deck that i ended up buying i only use three or four of the pages on definitely it's like it okay because they all seem so yeah there's definitely don't get dissuaded by a charts and graphs a globe with dots that connect from different parts of the world (laughs) yeah presentation there's a lot of that stuff in there so don't don't let that bother you there's still great stuff i mean i'm always shopping for big splash images that's the main thing yeah, I just found a pretty cool one. It was, it's like a food. It's like for, mm-hmm. to pitch a restaurant or something, but it's got a lot of big Yeah, big images. images are still the name of the game. And it's like kind of fun. The, a lot of them are mm-hmm. really sleek in a way that unless you're pitching on like, I don't know, like right. a medical or commercial music or videos or like a serious. lifestyle outdoor campaign or something like that. Do you buy a separate presentation for each uh, treatment no. you make? Or no, I actually went back to my old standard just the other day on something. And um, it's also nice, you know, talk about building up a little bit of, you know, skilling up a little bit on your um, layout skills. It's nice to go back to a template that you've used a bunch of times because you kind of know all of the combinations that you like the best. So you go a lot faster that way. Yeah, I guess you know something that's like worth looking for sometimes if you want a lot of images is like a mm-hmm. portfolio. Portfolio is probably the keyword uh, template. Yeah. Well, great. Yeah. Two oh. uh, two real nerdy endorsements from two real nerds. Hey, I don't know if you're a real nerd. I think you're more mm, just like endorsed. I'll take it. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. No offense. <laughs> All right. Uh, well another good episode this episode was edited by christopher robert gray you can check out all the things that we talked about at justshootitpod.com you can check us out on twitter instagram all of the places at justshootitpod is our handle for almost all of them if you can leave us a review on itunes that would be awesome we'll read them on the show Uh, or you know i i met someone today that listened to our podcast marshall lemming and he said he tried to leave us a review but he can't do it through his android I told him to get an iPhone if he wants to be taken seriously, but he did not like that. And that's that's strictly untrue. But also, uh, you can do it on iTunes. I think you can do it just on like iTunes.com. Okay. Yeah, we appreciate the effort. Give it a shot. This episode's music was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. You can follow me at Mr. Matt Enlo. And me at Smitey Pileg. And the podcast at Just Shoot a Pod. And we will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.